You are listening to the MX Vice Show. The MX Vice Show with James Burfield and Lewis Phillips. episode 20 and uh, I just started laughing because actually I said this last week when it should have been episode 19 but it is actually episode 20 of the MXY show presented by 24MX Europe's largest e-commerce store and your one-stop shop for all things motocross first of all though I'd like to say thanks to all our sponsors Talon Wheels Extra Triple Clamps Liat 20 Titanium Foot Pegs Recluse Clutches Atlas Braces for all their continued support Great to have those guys on board. And we've got some good announcements of new sponsors coming in. And if there's anybody who's looking to get a brand on the air of 2020, support what we're doing, we welcome uh, you to uh, sort of join us with uh, this weekly podcast show. I'm James Burfield. Alongside me is MX Vice Editor Lewis Phillips. Hello. And in the studio, as always, is Rob from Jukebox Beats, who produces uh, this show for us and a few other things. So, um, Lewis, how are you feeling? How are you coping with one weekend away from motocross? Oh, it's great. I'm loving life. What did you do the weekend? Nothing. Oh. Yeah. How, how, was that okay? Yeah, it was great. Yeah? Yep. Um, yep. Yep. You don't seem very Moving happy. on. Okay. So, have you got something to look forward to? No. Oh. Yeah. I did look into paying for myself to go to Monster Cup, but um, the hotels are insane. Yeah. Like 1,200 quid for four nights, and that's like a shit one. Wow. Yeah. So Because I looked at first I looked at flights, and I was like, oh, hang on, this looks good. Yeah. And then I went to hotels, and that like popped my balloon okay well let's do That's a little right. bit let's do a little bit of research after the show and see if we can get you there we've got Bercy we have yeah only a month away now Geneva yeah that's two months so you've got things to look forward to I don't care about Monster Cup anyway because Anaheim 1's my goal okay I will walk to Anaheim 1 yeah okay brilliant it'd be better if you got a plane but I, if you I want to carry on walking then I will literally start a GoFundMe where I sell like 
my clothes and my bed and my mattress. What I would just I've already made that agreement with myself that no matter what it takes. Um, given that you don't like to be hugged, what about if we do a hugathon? I could do a sponsored silence. That'd get me out of doing this for a couple of weeks as well. Yeah, I'd quite like that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have to come up here. I'd actually pay you a grand to, to be quiet for about a week. That seems like a great deal. Okay, yeah, probably, yeah. Oh, I still owe you 50 euros for the, um, for the bet on Sweden. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah, I bet you were. That, that goes towards your flight. Yeah, big difference. That's a, <laughs> that's a cheap sandwich. So, even though there's not been uh, a GP the weekend, there was plenty of racing on. Plenty um, of racing. <laughs> yeah. But there was racing the weekend. No, uh, true. There was the uh, European of Nations. Yep. Um, so, racing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that classifies. What was the other one? Coupe de something. Coupe de l'Avenor. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. That one as well. And actually, there are some interesting riders there, uh, which we can talk a little bit about. What else have we learned this week? Um, Any movers and shakers? Not a lot big-wise, but there's a few little ones, like Harrop, his uh, deal with FNH was announced. Laranaga's deal was announced. Uh, Goupalon's deal was announced. Welcome to the off-season. <laughs> <laughs> But Harrop, Harrop's an interesting one, yeah. I, I think. Well, we heard that it was between him and Guarame. Guarame. So I'm surprised that, um, A, they've got both. Yeah. Because I actually thought they would just go for two riders as well, because they only had two MX2 riders this year. So technically, having three MX2 riders going all across the globe, they're actually putting more in next year than they were this year. Yeah. Which kind of, like, where's the end for that team? Well, obviously, we've seen them sort of literally come onto the scene and grow. And in, in, they must be investing a lot of money. Super professional outfit. You know, literally have the foundations right. No expense spared. They're, they're a great team to have in the pits. Interestingly, Harrop was your choice to podium yes. this year. So as much as you took the piss out of me for Paul Lan um, winning a race, it didn't go quite right for him, did it? Yeah, like my, um, my Harrop hype died a lot. But I wrote an article on FNH, which I actually forgot to publish. So that's good. That's coming up. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, I wrote that and I was writing about Harrop and like, and I was more thought about it. Now he's got MX2 riders to train with. He didn't have that before. He was just training with two MXGP riders, which yep. no matter what anyone says, that's going to wear on you a little bit. Absolutely. Like you're never going to be competitive. So like, how can you go to training each day, loving life and be motivated? Whereas now, if he goes training on a Wednesday and beats Moosedike, He's going to be on top of the world and like yeah. thinking, what's next for me? And then he's got Deruva, which isn't that big a difference because he had Anti. So both of them are pretty good at putting a structure in place. But as I said last week, Deruva's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and he 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 likes he likes he likes the fact that I said that. Yeah, so, I did see that. I'm sure he'll like the fact that I just said he's phenomenal as well. I think uh, it's an interesting point because I think with that experience in in that team, which is built for that purpose, if he doesn't achieve what he set out to do you know, with having all this back in and everything else. But he, he, I don't think it can get any better than it is now for him. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, and I, feel, I just feel like the change of scenery probably is going to do him good as well. Because he's been at Ice One since he was on a one two five, And at the end of the day, they're not an MX2 team. So no matter what happened, he was always going to be kind of a, not an afterthought, but not the priority. Yeah, So and now he is. Yeah, like I was, I was actually surprised that he wasn't moved over to, well, Jackie's team, or previously Jackie's team, to like do the full Husqvarna MX2 program and stuff like that yeah but i was surprised that he stayed at ice one and even so like when that kind of came to light i was looked at it a bit like eh, that's a bit weird like do they not want him to be fully immersed in their um ladder system but that team is looking really good for next year it's a oh, lot yeah. of potential and we've already seen what van moose can do yeah moose dyke's going to be amazing harrop will be good and Boarami's i'm not sure be, Boarami. i think he's going to be great yeah. i think it's make or break i think he's on the i think he could go either way uh i i i think Given what he was doing this year, 
Um, what, one podium? No, no, like as in a setup and oh. everything else. I'm, I'm thinking that, like, this is no disrespect to the team he was on previously, but we've seen with FNH what, you know, Jacoby, Steri, you know, Van Moosdijk and the MS250, the amount of, not effort, because everybody puts a lot of effort in, but the structure, the foundation, the fact that they were training, I think it was in November last year, over in Red Sand. They started their training, you know, you know training for the 2019 season very early. So they're just a well-prepared team. I think put Warami and, you know, in that uh, structure, I think it's only going to go one way. And especially, we've already talked about the, the, the you know, Deruva. We don't want to blow any more smoke up his ass. Because, um, you know, it, we, we've done a lot already. But I think with that setup, it's going to be very, very good. For me, as a, a fan, it's an exciting team to watch. Yeah, I think, I think so. And I also uh, wrote in this article that's on my laptop. Um, <laughs> This is, this is a great move for 2020 for FNH, but this is an even better move for 2023. Because at the end of the day, these three riders could be on their team for the next five years. They've got this great structure in place, but they haven't really put it to the test lately because Steri was only going to ever be there for two years. Jacoby was ever going to be there for one year. This is the first time that the whole Deruva thing, the engine package, all of that stuff they've got in place is actually going to be put to the test, not only over a prolonged period, but also with a rider who's young enough to be moulded. Because already at 22, 23, guys like Steri, they're already a little set in their ways and kind of have their ways of doing things. Well, to keep it in, in, in check, the Kawasaki seem to be investing a lot of money next year. You know, obviously with F and H, with what they're doing with DRT. Yeah, but I'd imagine it's still, well, they're losing one team. And then KRT as well. Yeah, but they're losing one team. They are losing one team. And I don't think they're replacing that team. And you've got to think still having F and H is a better financial option than running their own uh, MX2 factory team. Yeah. So absolutely. So they've, it looks like it. They, they've, actually, they've replaced the old CLS effectively. Well, not even that much because they haven't got as much Kawasaki funding, I would presume, as CLS did. Yeah. So. Yeah. So well, it's, I think Kawasaki is going to see a good return next year, and that kind of just kind of just leads you to believe, or doesn't offer any glimpse for the Kawasaki MX2 efforts coming back anytime soon. Um, speaking of Kawasaki. Uh, you could say that I'm a little bit biased, Lewis, because uh, I don't know if you've seen my Instagram post last week, but someone has a 2020. You're biased because you've got a loan bike that you have to give back at the end of the year. All right. There's yeah. no need to be like that. So you also have to produce work on it. Yes, yeah. and I am. First, I need to go out on the bike, and that is weather permitting because I, had, I did try to go out Sunday. However, um, it was called off, unfortunately, because it overnight rain. Not that I'm a fair weather rider. I do like the wet weather. So, but you can follow uh, follow me. I think Lewis, you're allowing me to do some content on the website. Yeah, you'll have to work hard to find it because it's going to be buried deep in the website. Though. Honestly, we're literally ten minutes in, and you're already been a dick. Well, I've been waiting to do this show for like seven hours. I've been sat in this room for seven hours. I've right. done my show. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So th- this is this is great. Yeah, I'm pleased to be here. Okay. So, anything <laughs> else you'd like to talk about today? Um, another thing with the Harrop thing, or yeah. not that just a Harrop thing, the F and H thing. Like I say, it's a good move for 2023. And if they keep onto this talent that they've got, they could, in effect, block a few factory teams. If you look at it, I would say that right now, FNH are better set up for the future than Kimia are. I would say that FNH are better set up for the future than Husky MX2 are. Uh, obviously, HRC, because we don't even know if they're having MX2 riders, that's still up in the air, which is unbelievable, considering how late it is. Um, wow. Roger, I hope you're listening to this. Just been criticised. 
No, it's just unbelievable that it's not okay. decided yet, isn't it? I'm okay. not critical. You just seemed very negative towards oh, no, just, it's just HRC unbelievable, 250 it? effort. Haven't they always been late, though, in announcing riders? Yeah, announcing, but the second 450 riders signed his contract, Imola. It's not been announced yet, but they don't even know if they're going to run a 250 program at a factory level. Who's the second 450 rider? Funny. <laughs> the rider actually told me that he's impressed because I was the f- we were we we yeah were the first people to find out and we're the only people not to blab. Really? Mm. Look at that. So now I've really got to make sure I don't blab. Yeah. Because otherwise, that- so you can tell us a secret and it stays with us. Yeah. But obviously, uh, for an extra hundred quid towards Lewis's flight cost towards Vegas, he'll tell you anything. Well, and I'm sure that by me saying that everyone else has blabbed, you could probably put two and two together and figure out who's been heavily rumoured. Okay, but 250, there's been, you've not heard any announcements. What, for HRC? Yeah. No. Not even a little... Well, I think the second 450 rider is going to be announced at Ike. Yeah. So I guess if they're going to do a 250 program, we'll find out officially about it then. Uh, 114, I've got two Australians. Yeah. So HRC will be represented in MX2. Well, Honda will be, not HRC. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Honda. Honda will be represented in MX2. And then... And they've got Asimoto. Yeah, and I'm guessing they still got Asimoto. Or actually, yeah. yeah, they definitely have. Asimoto have been quiet about next year, but I know they've got two riders signed. I wonder if I could just say that. I don't know. Did we? Have we announced that yet? I can't no, remember. What no we one have has. Said. But it's, it's, oh, okay. It's like, Who is it? Well, I got told. I don't know if it's true because it wasn't exactly a concrete thing. Okay. But I got told that Rubini's going up to MX2 with them, and then Usland. Well, that would make sense with um, Rubini. And uh, yeah, I, I can see where the Usland is. Yeah. yeah, come from. Yeah, because we we know that Usland. Yeah, pays yeah, we, yeah, for his rides. Yeah, like he did this year. Yeah, and how he got to Turkey. Yeah, was because he paid himself. Yeah, should yeah. I stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. No, because no, I'll um, do it if I could. No, because one thing I want to talk about actually. I don't, I don't know if we ever talked about it, but basically people have got this whole thing, you know, about paying for rides. But if you work out, and Sean Simpson's probably doing this right now, he's working out um, how much it costs for two race bikes, two practice bikes, just to get started. And he's looking for 20 flights, 20 hotels, 20 rental cars, a mechanic. Actually, it's not 20 flights because then it's going to be him. Maybe if Rachel's going to go and a little one. And a mechanic, yeah, you can just imagine the cost. So even if he if he if he says, okay, Rachel, you you have to stay at home with Angus. Yep, thank you. You know what? It just me and the mechanic's going to do this this year. That's still two of everything, uh, apart from the rental car. Yeah, well, there'd still be two rental cars because mechanics the mechanic would stay anyway. He would, yeah, and then the rider would go on back to the hotel. So anyway, just the cost. Let's just say thirty grand. What just for, on expenses? Yeah, for for travel. Um. 30k? Oh, yeah, probably. Actually. Flights, yeah, hotels, yeah, yeah. maybe a bit for more. two people? Yeah. 35? Well, what did we price it up as for three people? Uh, I think uh, for three people's 47. Yeah. Yeah, 47,000 for flights, parking, fuel, and that's kind of, hotels. That's everything. not slumming it, but that's not. Like, yeah, and that's not like extra leg room, and that's not priority boarding, and that's not five star, like. That's uh, three star hotels. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like cost, it's kind of like middle of the road yeah. way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. So he's got that. Obviously, he could probably get a deal on bikes, but I'm pretty sure he'll still be paying for bikes because um, I don't think he's a factory rider or anything like that. So no. he'll be. Well, no, actually, I don't think he'll be paying for bikes. Do you not think? No, I you think, think I think he's pretty tight with KTM Austria. Okay, so okay, so he'll probably get like a flow of bikes, but then have to either give them back or yeah, yeah. something like that or whatever. But then he's got support suspension, engine settings, you know, all the rest of it. So you're, he's probably looking at what one fifty, two hundred minimum. Uh, probably a bit more than that once you add in the test days and the parts and 
And he obviously stuff. needs a wage, he needs to pay himself. Yeah. So he's going to have to probably generate 250000 So when you start to think about actually running a whole season... Well, basically, when DaCosta said in my interview that it cost him three hundred grand for to come to the Nations, a lot of smaller European teams suddenly spoke up and said, well, we do an entire GP season on that money. Okay. So, so think of that. So when if a rider, for example, is paying 100000 to be on a team, he's actually saving fifty grand. Yeah. That's the way you've got to look at it. Yeah, and, and not only saving that money, but also a lot of stress because they don't have to worry about logistics and well, where's just, this coming from, where's this coming from. They just fly. Turn up, bike's ready, everything's done. They get on the bike and, and away they go. So, yes, people are paying for money, not like back in the 80s and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. It's just a completely different ball game now, and it's the same within Formula 1, it's the same with MotoGP. And you won't believe the amount of drivers, riders in all different levels are paying. This is not uncommon. This is just how it works in 2019, 20. It, you know, you can't get hung up on this stuff anymore. When you still break this down, it's still a hell of a lot cheaper to pay a team than it is to run it on your own. Yeah. You know, where before I think there's a bit of a stigma about this sort of stuff, I think you just need to get over it. And do you know what? It's, it's relative. If I had the money and um, my kid was coming through the ranks and I could pay 20000 a year, but I was, I was bringing in 200000 do it. Why not? It's relative. So. You know, if you can afford to do it and you don't miss mortgage payments or whatever, Jesus, more things to worry about in life. Agree? Agree. Yeah, let's do it. You went off a bit then, but agree. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. No. Do you want to ride? No. No? Okay. I'm done with riding. All right, no worries. Um, you are coming out of retirement now? No. Yeah, you are. I'm done with riding. No, no, we're going to have probably like an MX Vice Cup. Right. So where we all ride. Oh, wow. That sounds fun. Yeah. Can't it's wait gonna for that. It's going to be brilliant. Yep. I'm going to get a trophy and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah can't wait for that. It's the only chance I've got of actually winning a trophy. Oh, wow. I can't so, wait for that. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, be cool. I'm going to enter it my own, on my own. Yep. Sounds, um, that, sound, that sounds better. No, no, you're definitely in. So looking forward, FNH pretty much, there's maybe one possible announcement coming a little bit later. Yeah, but that's kind of a, I don't really know, I don't really understand that. Okay. All right. So we won't talk but about it. But as far as FNH racing goes, they're done. They're done. Yeah. Yeah. But there could be an extension, but maybe not. I'm not really sure how it... It's okay. confusing me. Asimo are done. Have we heard anything from Revo? No, they're not doing GPs. We t- we no, I know, but this. they're going to be doing British. Have they got any British uh, riders lined up? Did you hear? It's, even that seems a bit up in the air at the moment, because at one point the rumour was they were stopping GPs. Then the rumour was they were stopping everything. Yeah. And now I think they're doing the British. Think. But I don't know. I think... Who, who knows? Okay. Camille, really? we know. Who ben. cares? Yeah. Camille's um, Ben. Yep. And Full Factory for the first time. Did you see his Instagram post this week? What, in Australia? I, I don't know where it was, oh, but did I you see his Instagram post about this year? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's very excited about 2020. Uh, it's time to start getting the hype going again. Are you, are you literally... I'm currently... F- I'm throwing, still driving? I'm just throwing some coal on that fire as we speak. Actually, yes. no, we're not there yet. Do you I'm know just, what? I read that Instagram post and instantly thought of you and just thought, that would make you happy. I've imported coal. It's currently being shipped to me. Okay. And then once I have that, I will then start shoveling it on the fire. Okay. I think he could be very good next year. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he sounds super positive. Yeah, I might even put some money on it. Ooh. Oh, really? Okay. But then I swear he said in an interview that one of the things that fucked him up a little bit at the start of the year is he started putting other people's like expectations and that on him. So oh, I wonder if you? I need to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could wonder if maybe you. I shouldn't be hyping. Maybe I shouldn't. No, maybe you should just play it all down. I can't, I can't hide yeah. my feelings. Or well, what about reverse psychology? So I don't think Ben can do it next year. Yeah, but then everyone will think I'm a dick. <laughs> Yeah, but you are, but don't worry about it. There may be a championship to eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And obviously Gertz. Yeah. He so, will be there for a while. Yeah. Do you think he's a contender next year? He's got to figure out how to be consistent or something, or I don't know. He's got to, he's got to figure something out. Vial's a favourite. Vial's a favourite. Vial's a favourite. Yeah. Done. Like, in my mind, that's done. He's a pre-season favourite. And what do we expect, expect from his teammate, Hoffer? Uh, oh, yeah, we never even spoke about that. Yeah. Um, well... Great talent. I spoke about it on the Racer X Exhaust podcast. Oh, last yeah, week. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, um, how did it go? It was really fun. Really? It was really nice to talk to someone on my wavelength. Oh, you're such a prick. There was a lot of back and forth. Like, it, just, it was really inspiring to like have a bench racing conversation where not only was I matched, but I was challenged. You said no, I don't challenge you. And I said I could say stuff like, like I even said, I even threw out a Max Anstey in San Diego 2010 and he threw it right back because he knew exactly what I was talking about. I was like, this is the first time ever. <laughs> so we're probably not going to come back for episode 21 of um, the podcast. Uh, it had some good comments. I was happy with that. Okay. I was really, I was really nervous. Like I was checking, I was refreshing it at least once yeah. every hour seeing there was one dislike on YouTube, which hurt me a bit. That was me. Yeah, I presume that. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, all the comments were nice. Yeah. Uh, someone said it was amazing. I wouldn't go that far. No, someone did. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was really nervous. Yeah. And paced a lot. I listened to it for about the first two minutes and I thought this is really shit. Did you actually? Yeah. You, listen, you only listened for two minutes? Yeah, it's shit. But that, I, don't, I don't think I was even on in the first two minutes. Yeah, I kind of listened to it and I got bored. And uh, Olivia, my daughter, was watching Barbie Dreamhouse. So I watched that instead because it was way better. I'll tell you what, ever since... Um, Have you thought about moving to America? Maybe you and Jason getting a house together? Ever since... I've done that, a podcast jingle, mm. stuck in my head. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot get that out. So right. That's worrying. Great. Yeah. Do you want to talk any more about that now? Or uh, can we no, just I move think... on? Oh. Yeah. Again, congrats. It was just fun. Prick. One hour and 40 minutes of pure nonstop fun and yeah. excitement. Yeah. yeah. Wait till you meet could've a lady. Could have gone for hours. I bet, I bet you could have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Anyway, Hoffa. Yes. Um, Hoffer, as I said on the Racer X Exhaust podcast, oh, um, KTM, KTM wanted him to stay in EMX 250, or at least that was kind of their suggestion, I think. Okay. He was very eager to go to MX2, so obviously he got his way. I'm not sure whether... And it makes sense, because otherwise they'd have had to find another No, they were, they were going to just run VL. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, that was always the plan. It was always going to be VL and Hoffer... On the team. Yeah, and it was just a debate. Under, under the awning, basically. It was just a debate of whether Hoffer would be... And this is under the Hurlins awning. Yeah, so it's the same as this year. Three riders under the Hurlins awning. Yeah. No, there was only two riders under the Hurlins awning. Well, there was three because Hoffer was the MX250. But he was under the Hurlins side of the awning. And then Ducali will have two riders, which is typically how it works anyway. Like, yeah. think back to, well, last year, Hurlins, Jonas, and Koldenhoff were under the Hurlins side of the awning. And the Ducali side had two riders. So, so, so do you think... Are we going to see him coming in like Vial, do you think? Or do you think he's not going to be? I don't know. I feel like I kind of underrate him a bit. I think you do. Because he's better than, he's better than Vial was in EMX 250. So Absolutely. what does that mean? Yeah. But there again, you could say that Vial was adopted to the MX2 class a lot better than most riders well, did in their rookie year. What would you say about this? I've kind of thought this a few times lately. You think oh, about it, mate. the EMX 250 class yeah. uh, was once seen as like, well, we'll just pick the winner. And then we'll pick, and then the winner's taken, so we'll take second place onto our team. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like, Olsen won it in 2016. Yeah. So, and then immediately finished third in the championship the next year. So, like, there was this kind of... Uh, expectation. Should, no, not expectation, but a precedent for... Oh, okay. Um, leaving the MX250 and doing well. So, yeah. then 2017... You got something in the back of your throat. I just almost died. Is um, it Jason? And then 2017, Morgan Lesiardo won the title. Oh, yeah. And that's been a bit of a flop. Yeah. 
or a massive flop. But he looked good this year. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah, looked, I watched him a few no, times but, in GPs. Yeah but, yeah, but compare him to where he should be. Yeah. In comparison to his yeah, predecessors. It's, it's, I agree. It's not gone to plan. Like all the teams who maybe were looking at him as he won EMX 250 were probably now like, oh, dodged a bullet. And then you've got Bois Ramey, who was quiet this year. Not bad, not great. Just kind of did. I thought he'd done well. I thought he'd done well. Tell me what, okay, apart from Germany where he was on the podium, tell me one time where you stood there and were like, Bois Ramey. Germany. Apart from Germany, where he's on the podium. <laughs> no, like, I, I can't, once, I can't specifically did, remember, but all I like will invisible, say... Like invisible, all year. No, he was not invisible. I, I can't even tell you a time when he even registered in my mind. That's, that's harsh. I'm sorry. No, that's bollocks. Sorry, that's bollocks. I, I, I watched him a few times this year. Um, at the 10 GPs I was... Whereas last year, when he stepped up to MX2 from MX250, there was like a bit of, oh, oh. I actually think he was worse this year than he was in those wildcard rides last year. Even when I was cooking on the barbecue and I watched him, he looked good. I think I no, I generally think you're being harsh. Mm. I, I think you're being harsh. I think it's make or break this FNH deal. I, I think he's gonna be better suited to the Kawasaki and the FNH team. I think you're gonna see a 20 rounds next year. How many podiums does he get? I think he gets four to five. Wrong. <laughs> you're such a prick. Two. Uh, oh, and what, what rounds are those? Germany. Germany, because he was really good there last year as yeah. well. Uh and then we'll give him a we'll give, we'll give him an Indonesia. France. He can have an in, no, he'll have an we'll give him an Indonesia. Okay. I I think you're wrong. I think I'd like to do 50 euros on that, please. Uh, I would take that bet as soon as you deliver me my 50 euros. (laughs) I've got 60 euros if you've got 10 euros. Uh, I'll just take 60, it's fine. Okay, that's fine. Okay, have it. Van Horbeck, speaking of Honda. Yep. He's back again, hey? Yeah. And it's weird because... um, No, I'm going to get... Well, no, the rumours were that the team wasn't going to make it past... The the rumours what I heard was that they didn't know if they could continue the full season. But they proved everybody wrong because they did. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I was just I feel like maybe there's a bit of a realignment with Honda's strategy for next year. Because the reason Van Horbeck, as we've been over, the reason Van Horbeck didn't have so much support at the start of the year is because Honda Europe's structure was uh two fifty, then take that rider to MX two, and then at that point Honda Europe will give an MX two rider to HRC. Yeah. So they kinda of, it didn't fit into the pyramid system. But now it seems like Van Horbeck's got more support and we are hearing that there's another Honda MXGP satellite team. Although, I thought that was going to be the case, and now I was told over the weekend that that team in question will actually be KTM, so I don't know. Oh, I know what you're on about, yeah. So, yeah, I was confused because I thought the deal was done. Yeah, everyone was saying that Jackie Martin's team was going to be Honda, but now and maybe not. Maybe it'll be KTM. But I don't know, because that was the original rumour, so it's very confusing. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about this or announce it yet? Or Because no, I don't Announce know. what? Who the riders are on the team? We don't know who the riders are. Oh, I do. No, we know one of them. The second one doesn't look like it's going to happen. Why not? Wait, are you talking about... Yeah, well, I can't say that. Malfit. Oh, no, that's not done. That's just what I heard was a... Because originally there was a strong rumour that it was going to be Calvin. Yeah. Now I'm kind of hearing that maybe isn't as strong a rumour and there are other riders in the play, so I'm not really sure what, who it's going to be. Oh, I got... But as far as I'm concerned, I think one of, I think one of the riders is done. Yeah, and I think the other one, which I've mouthed, is happening. Yeah, but that's what I got told that. I got told, I got a text saying, Blander is not going there now because this rider's going there. Well, I like that rider. Don't understand that move, though. No, I... Like, literally, I genuinely do not understand. If I'm Suzuki, I'm sat there going, like, you're right, Kanichiwa. Let's start a team. We can have Max and Bla- Blander in. 
But they can't because Suzuki can't come back yet. That's they got to wait a year. I forgot about that. They have to wait another but year. But still, you can be a factory. You could have. You could be any team in the pits and run Calvin and Max. I what know. a team! What a team! Like that is a fact. If I've said it a million times, but if KTM, ca- no, maybe not KTM. If do you think if I HRC hit- came out and said next year we're running a uh, Calvin Vlaanderen and Max Anstey in MXGP, no one would go really. Everyone would go. Oh, that's cool. I see that. Yeah. How many teams in the pits do you think signed riders or they? already got riders in their team and are looking at it thinking, I wish we could just cash out and get these two in. Because they're stuck with riders on contracts. Yeah. It, well, there's only, there was one case like that, but then that kind of turned around. So Yeah. So we know that Van Horbeek, 100% done. one on more year. Still done. Blues. Yeah, and away they go. And he's doing uh, Le 2K as well. Yeah, they they obviously a, want to win Le 2K. Oh yeah, beach race, the, the French beach race championship is really important to them. Yeah. It, I find that interesting because there must be so much money within France centered around things like Lune Plage and, and winning these beach races because so many people put so much emphasis into it. Because yeah, isn't Jordan Dovau on a Honda team over there? Yeah, French Honda team. Yeah. And then you've got Todd Kellett. Todd Kellett, yeah. Milko Potosek in there. Yeah. Nathan Watson. Yeah. I think he won the French beach race championship last year. Yeah. So it's interesting that there, there seems, there seems, people seem to be putting a lot of money in supporting this. Well, I think, it, I don't know about a lot of money because I think it's mainly just French budgets, isn't it? Yeah, but there seems yeah. to be a lot of money and French yeah, yeah. budgets being put into it, which is interesting. So, yeah. um, well, we know the French market's big anyway. Yeah. Okay, so the other thing uh, we probably should mention that we're hearing kind of rumours about Gebbin for next year. And it sounds like they might have a change of colour and it also sounds like they've uh, got some new riders and stuff like well, that. Actually, I just thought... Oh, okay. Well, maybe this isn't a conversation for the podcast. Probably not, if you've just engage your brain because I'm going to be talking in code but or unengage we've your brain. heard that after two riders yeah but as far as I know Lupino's under contract uh, yeah so they might be going to three riders okay okay, that makes more so sense. they might be doing like a, what JWR done this year oh god so yes. uh, opportunity came up and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and went with it and also I'm hearing some good stuff on the JWR uh, but interestingly I can't say too much about that yet I think you already have I think last week you said... No, no, I, only, I said that they signed some riders. I didn't say who. I think you... No, I think you said who. I think... I'm pretty sure you said who it was. Mm, don't think I did. Maybe not. I don't know. No, I don't think I did. Yeah, so I, I, I think they've got a, a good rider there. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Yeah. Cracking insight. Yeah, so um, yeah, watch this space. I, I can't announce Brilliant, it yeah, that's great. Can we move on? Yeah, right. whatever. Like, other than you just sitting there telling us to watch this space. Okay. It's a podcast. All right, yeah. Um, we need to listen to this space. What else do we know? Oh, what, in general? Yeah, as in who's moving um, where in what this actually looking like for next year. So first thing, we, we, we don't know about Vlanderen. So Vlanderen and Anstey are still out in the cold. Yeah. Is, is Anstey happening in America? A lot of people keep messaging me saying... Because I've seen his Instagram post this week and it said, training for Supercross, and somebody said, are you in America? And he put the emoji. <laughs> Did you see that? It was the shrug emoji. The shrug can't see what... emoji. Yeah. Um, no, everyone keeps saying like, can you please do some digging? I talk to Max like every day. No, but like every a couple of days. Yeah, it's just kind of a waiting game. Okay. There was a. Ch- was like, it Max what told you to go on the other podcast? Was no, it? but Max did listen to it. Fuck's sake! The message is small. Um, thanks, Max. <laughs> thanks for. Support. I don't even think he listens to this one, <laughs> but he said he listened to that one. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's because I. It's it's because I texted him telling. I don't him, know why I bother. It's because I texted him telling him that I spent ten minutes r- telling people about San Diego twenty ten. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, I just want to say actually there is still um, a position available as a host of this podcast show I only actually said I'd do the first two but, um, and I'm still here with well, him we haven't done so well that we're in October and we've only done 20 <laughs> we should at least be on 30 by now okay 
Do you want to have a go at me about anything else? No, no. no? Um, I bet if it was you and Jason, you'd be on 30. I'd imagine so. Yeah. The commitment's there. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah, everyone keeps saying like, oh, can you do some digging about Max? There isn't anything to dig up. He has an option in MXGP, which is kind of there, if he wants it. What's that option? I'm not saying. Okay. There is an option there. Like, What colour is it? So he could take... Is it red? I wouldn't say... No. Is it green? I know. Is it yellow? No, no, no. I don't think it's there as far as like contract on the table. Right. But I think it's there as far as like that's kind of his, his if he wants it. Can I just say something? Yep. How the fuck is Max Anstey and Vlanderen still not got deals? This is the thing. Like, Max what is, the Max, hell? What I'm saying about Max, I'm not even sure if Vlanderen's in this good a position. What the hell? Which is weird because bef- a couple of weeks ago I thought Vlanderen was in a better position than Max. But, but maybe, it's, maybe it's an MXON curse because Anstey won, uh, is won the, was it the Open or an MXGP class it, when he went in Matterley? He won both fighters. Yeah. Yeah. and now not got a ride and Vlanderen wins with the Nations and still not got a ride that's a loose theory <laughs> I like it I'm they're grabbing that even, theory they're not even similar things Max won as an individual and Calvin won as a team going 10-10 still won but it doesn't okay. actually they both, um, they both had a W yeah so Max has got an option in MXGP he was chasing up an option in America but then this is the option that a lot of people basically are waiting on basically the entire American industry is waiting on JGR to see what they're going to do so that's kind of what everyone's waiting on but hasn't JGR got... Oh, that's the 450. 450 signed. Max no. is looking for 250. No, none of it's signed. Is it not? No. Completely up in the air. Will they go racing? Who knows? Okay. Like, so up in the air. Wow. And as I said on the Racer X Exhaust podcast... Um, I not listened to it. <laughs> as I said, Jason Weege was, oh. was talking about JGR's situation in America. We're going to have an advert in a minute. And as I said, that, what would you call it, that mess... <laughs> Is even trickling over into the MXGP paddock and like affecting riders' like decisions and stuff. So, right, yeah, brilliant. But I'm not worried about Max, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the start line next year somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, did Jason have a theory on this? Anyway, we're going to go for he actually did. Okay, but you should listen. We're going to go for an advert. Um, we'll see you in five. The MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK, Talon wheels, sprockets, footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.cu.uk for more info. 24MX is Europe's biggest e-commerce store, carrying every product you need for your dirt bike. Their on-site park finder will help you quickly find what you need to upgrade your dirt bike. Don't miss out on the weekly deals with prices that are unprecedented in the industry. Shop today at 24MX.com. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. So, I've uh, just had a couple of vodkas to get over. You cheating on me? That's fine. I'll do it again. Slut. No shame. So, before the break, we were talking about... Oh, thank you to our sponsors. We were talking about we're in this crazy world of Anstey and Vlanderen still not having, uh, what, as far as we know, still not having a deal. Yeah. I don't think it's as far as we know either. I think they, neither of them have signed a deal. So. No. Yeah. Just try to get your head around that. I mean, if you were coming in and you had a team, I mean, what two riders to pick up? Well, why haven't J- JWR done that? I think the answer to that is, I think... I'll put you on the spot there, aren't I? No, I think, I mean... Squirming. Uh, obviously, they had Stroibos and they had Sava, and it, that, that was good. However, I think, uh, I think it's just an economics thing with JDBR. I think they 
you know, I would say that this year they probably, it was great they had those riders, but they kind of ran before they walked because before they went to three MXGP riders, they were doing EMX 250. Yeah. So to go from EMX 250, which is, was it eight rounds? Yeah, seven. Seven, eight rounds. To go to that, to to 14 rounds of the European uh, with three riders. I think Johan spent a lot of money. I I, I probably would have said he, he probably spent 300K this year. Uh, which he probably didn't anticipate on spending. So I think next year is going to be, okay, he's learned a lot this year. You know, he's, he's kind of got a year under his belt. And I think what he's kind of said is, okay, what, what is JWR? What is the team going to be? Is it going to be bringing in some riders at the end of their career? Or is it going to be, they had both. They had um, Strybos, who's obviously had the majority of his career and he's right at the end of his career. Yeah. And they've had Seva, who's just um, been in his rookie year. And I think he got, you know, some solid like 13ths, 11ths, 12ths, which... It's not bad for his first year. I think there was glimpses there where, um, you know, he, he he done really well. And, it, you know, that's another rider who I don't think has got a, another offer. Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of like, you're not going to be a factory team. You're not going to be, you've seen how long teams have been in the paddock as a satellite team and everything else. So to be able to spend that money to get that to that next level of support. And let's face it, this is, this is a team which has to buy their bikes. They buy their parts. They buy basically everything apart from the product. The companies like, uh, I know that Rentful have been very good with them. I know that Just One's been very good. You know, there's a lot of people there who support them this year, but they still had to pay for a hell of a lot. Yeah. And that's not coming from anything. That's just coming from Johan's pockets. So I think next year is, is kind of just said to herself, okay, less, uh, I think he's probably going to take in a paid rider who's going to help with that type of thing. Then it covers the cost. And I think what, I think, from what Johan's told me, he's he's looking at this. It was never about one year. It's not sort of one year, burn all your money and go. He he wants to be here for the next 10 years and build it bit by bit by bit. Back in Sweden, he runs a, a recycling, one of the biggest recycling bases in Stockholm. So he looks at motocross as his fun thing. And he loves this and everything else. And he rides himself. So um, I think next year, I think the, the, the riders he's got in is sensible. Is it possibly what he would have wanted? Probably not. I think he'd loved, he would have loved to Anstey and Vlanderen, but with Anstey and Vlanderen, you, you have to go overseas with them. You can't yeah, yeah. just do a European ranks. Um, so I think in theory, I think he's probably looked at it and just said, okay, I could probably pay out of my own money and afford their salaries. However, you're probably looking at, what do you reckon, another 100,000 on getting the bikes, mechanics, all the flights, everything else for all the, for yeah, the yeah. six ranks or, or whatever. For well, I know an MX2 team to do China with two riders paid 35 grand. Wow. So, so if you think about it this way, he's kind of got the riders, what he's got at the moment, which I, I know what he, what he signed. One of them um, is, is, is one for the future. Interestingly, I think he's looked at, I, I, I know he's a massive, do you know why he's a massive fan of Max? Because he spoke to Max last year. I think we can say this. I think it's pretty cool. He spoke to Max last year about what he was doing this year. You know, Max was obviously sorted, like sorted this year. He had the great offer which came up. So he done that. But what Johan liked was every time Johan was in the pits and walking along, Max would stop him and go, Hi Johan, how are you? How is everything? Da 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 da. He there is not many riders, I don't think, in the pits which are like Max, where super respectful. You literally it really uh resonated with um Johan this year. He just said, like, you know, I cannot believe how nice and respectful Max is. Like, I can be walking along, don't even see him, and he'll tap me on the shoulder, or I'll come over to the awning and say hello, and how's it, how's it going? He was genuinely interested in how Johan was. And I think that's a testament to, 
You know, these riders get a lot of shit on social media and everything else. Other people don't know behind the scenes, and Max is one of the good guys. And uh, I think that's that. You know, that's that's one thing which uh, uh, probably teams don't know. That's something what Max has done, not for no other reason. But I think if, yeah, but I think if Johan, you know, had the options, he probably looked at it and just said, okay, Vlander and Nasty, that'd be one amazing team. But you're probably looking at 100 to 150,000 for salaries. You're probably looking at probably another 100,000 to do. So he's probably looking at, I have to invest another quarter of a million into signing both these riders. If I'm, if I'm ever struggling with this show, that's a hell of a night in Vegas, quarter of a million. If I'm ever struggling with this show, then I know that all I need to do is mention the word JWR and you'll just take it for the next 15 minutes and I don't have to do much. Yeah. It's amazing. Brilliant, it's like, yeah. It's like my, just my, um, it's like me tapping out for a bit. I'm just like, you know what? JWR. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to repeat see, myself. That's really funny you say that because every time I mention um, Jason, then I see that your desk starts to rise and your hands are on that's there. That's podcast. So uh, I'm not sure what's happening there. I like so, I would like for you, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a really good time for you to, to go to America permanently. Thank you. Appreciate that. No, it's no problem. Here all week. So, lots of stuff happening next year. Um, lots of good stuff happening next year. And we're going to learn from, from now to ICMA. We're going to hear other announcements and stuff like that. So, we're going to be back weekly, aren't we? Doing yeah. this and, and talking about it, hopefully getting more information. And hopefully we'll have more knowledge on, on Max and Calvin. Yeah. So, you caused a bit of a stir this week. I didn't mean to. Uh, you published Ustream's attendance figures. All because Phil Malins, Malins, Malins. How can you still not get that? One of those. Yeah. Asked me to. So you done what someone asked you to. And I was, and yeah, I was like, you know what? I'll do that for you, mate. It was like, I don't know. It was bigger than Guy Fawkes trying to burn down Parliament. Two things. One, some people think they're my numbers. Like I stood at the gate of each GP and did a head count. And they were. First of all, I'd like to say... You are a moron. Lewis loves it. Loves you streaming. Loves making up numbers. But literally, someone put on Facebook, where the hell did you get, how the hell did you come up with these numbers? Like, oh yeah, mate. Um, well, actually, at HGP, what I did is I stood on the gate and I just like, one, two, three. And that was it, really. It was not like a great year. I've had a really fucking fun year. I stood on the gate once. Stupid people. For the MX Nationals. Oh, nice. Great story. When people come for you to take their money. Nice. Things you do. So that's my first point on it. And my second point, I haven't, like, dug these up out of anywhere. They're available on MXGP's website. I haven't, like, gone into their accounts or something. People seem to think that I've plucked these from, like, I don't do, know. Are you not Ustream? Do you not work from? No. Okay. Yeah, if you go on MXGP.com and find the race report from each round, at the bottom of it, it says weekend crowd attendance. It's released every Sunday night. I need it for, like, the press releases I write. So I always, like, wait for that. Yeah. And then I put in a press release. But we've talked about this, and when they say 74,000, that's not 74,000 people stood there in one day. Explain this, because... Well, I don't know. You explain it, but I don't know what you're... You, no, because... You, this is your thing. This is what we are told. So basically, they add up Friday's attendance, Saturday's attendance, and Sunday's attendance. And the total is 74,000. So online, I think people thought that you were saying that there was 74,000 people at the Nations, which there wasn't. We know that they sold 30,000 tickets. So if 30,000 people turned up on a Saturday and 30,000 people turned up on a Sunday, the same people, Ustream would put that down as 60,000. I don't know any of this. I've never heard any of this. I'm pretty sure that's... The... I just took the official numbers. That's not what you want from me. Shoot me. Yeah. Well, I, I think they get the official numbers by adding up people over the weekend, which is people coming in and going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
whether or not they're on the same ticket. Nice. I don't know why people hate it. Like, I could have that wrong, but I'm pretty bloody sure that somebody's told me that. Yeah, and they all fabricate. Concrete. Every sport, I think. Every event. Of course they do. There's never true. If you tell everybody it's going to be 5,000, it's absolute shite, then who's going to be excited about that? So I appreciated all the nice comments towards me. I'm really glad I went through that effort. But, the funny thing, do you know what's funny? Is I've done this every year, and every other year, no one's given a shit. Like, I've literally, every single October, I've done exactly the same thing, got the attendance figures for each round, put them in a table, and no one's given a shit. And I genuinely, this year, I did it for old Phil, because I was like, yeah, he's arse, I'll do it. I put it up, and I was like, no one's really going to care. And then I went on our, like, website analytics, and I was just like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. What has happened here? Well, I think there, definitely I've seen this. Even, I've had a lot of texts from riders <laughs> who are very concerned by these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think what's interesting is one thing I've seen online this year, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time online because that's what I do, it's what I get paid to do. And one thing I've seen is there's a lot of animosity towards the GPs and a lot of pro, uh, back in 1980s and 1990s, it was... You know, this was amazing and that was amazing and, and everything else. And now it's just horse shit and all the rest of it. So I think anything that sheds negativity towards uh, GPs or British champ, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a great person to spread negativity towards the British Championship because I say, I say exactly what I think. But one thing I've noticed is that there's a lot of people which are anti GPs at the moment. So I think that you just literally accidentally stumbled into. Um, a pile of shit. Don't know what I did. Well, you've you done the same things what you've done each year, but this year is even off seasons off to a great start. People are very aggressive towards yeah. GPs. Very aggressive. Great. Basically, killing the sport. Great, great start to my off season. That was. Yeah, I've recovered from the abuse. And don't worry, you get any more. There is a okay. So maybe the numbers aren't one hundred percent accurate, but I believe they're accurate in the sense that like Mantova was down as the lowest attended, and I believe I believe that that was the case. Okay. So what about Lommel? What was, what was the, uh, according oh, to your figures, what GP had the biggest attendance? First of all, thank you for reading the feature where this was explained. Uh, Semarang had the biggest attendance. But didn't they have all their free tickets? No, that was Qatar they did that. What, they paid? There were a lot of people in Indonesia. I know there's a lot of people, but they actually paid to go Everywhere. watch. No, I don't reckon they paid. I actually thought that Indonesia was free to get in. Are you telling me I that people... I don't think it was. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't... Think it was. I'm pretty sure it's free. Well, I had my pass checked every time I walked into the track. Really? So surely, if it was free, they wouldn't care because there wouldn't even be someone there because you'd just walk in. It might have been like one rupee or something. I can't remember how that works. What is the actual currency in Indonesia? I think it is rupee. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably like one rupee, which is like one penny. It's not even a penny. I think it's less than that. Yeah. Okay, so Indonesia first. Yeah. Russia right. was second. Not surprising with the school next door and stuff. Like they could pull a lot of people from there. Okay. Did they pay? Yeah. Okay. Russia's a normal GP. Uh, how, many, how many people was in Russia? Oh, no, sorry. Russia was third. Okay. Uh, France was second. Not surprising. Yeah. So France always big, yeah. Yeah. That's no. Yeah. Russia was third. Lommel? Lommel's got to be on there. Fourth. There was a three-way tie for fourth between Argentina. Believable that it's that high. Britain, surprisingly. And Germany. No, I, 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 hang on. Those three were all tied on 35,000. So, what? I, hang on. Fifth place. No, no, stop, stop. Oh, no, sorry. Stop. When I go to Lommel, I cannot move. And when I go to... I know Matali Basin is, is a big old area and Lommel's way more condensed. But I definitely would have said there's more people at Lommel than most GPs. Is that not, is that not right then? Seventh is Latvia. Latvia? There's fuck all people at Latvia. No, Latvia was rammed this year. Maybe not rammed, but it was really busy. And eighth, it's never busy though. Eighth 
is Belgium. What's well, so more people it, it Latvia than there is Lommel? Actually, sorry, Latvia and Belgium had the same attendance. My mind is blown. Great work to the Latvians, I say. Really got a great event formula there. Wow. Why haven't Latvia reached out to me to pay me to publish? So I reckon, right, Latvia's down there, 33,000, right? Attention, Kegum's promoter. Pay me a nice little chunk of money, I'll get that up to 43 for next year. Well, so you know 10,000 Latvians, do you? No, but I can. I will promote the hell out of it. I've already been doing it for free. And Sweden. Sweden, you're second to last. You need my help. Clearly, my work hasn't been doing... What do you actually bring to the table then? I'm just wondering why they need to come about to see it. you. But here, see? I'll just tell, how many times have I said that Latvia and Sweden are my favourite GPs? Okay. Right. I will continue to spread that message. Yeah. Um, also, I need some new kit. So if anybody out there wants to give me new kit, that'd be great. Um, I'm open to CBD as well. And yeah. Any other sponsors that would like to pay me, I'll talk about your business here because Lewis thinks he can get 10,000 more Latvians. I'll get 10,000. Not Latvians, I'll convince British people to fly over there and stuff. Really? Yep. I might even do a little contraband I, deal. I've got two words why people would go. Wizzair. I might even do a deal. I might even do a deal with Wizzair. Fucking fuck I'll off with you, Wizzair. Wizzair are bastards. I'll take 10% of their sales. I'll put for people through. You can use a discount code. The last Lewis. time I got on a Wizzair flight or tried to get on a Wizzair flight, they said I was being too aggressive. What? They did. They oh. said it would be too aggressive and that I would be arrested. And this was because I was Where trying was to pay for extra baggage. Bulgaria? Was it Bulgaria? It's not Bulgaria. No, it was Riga. It was, no, I think it was Bulgaria last Bl- time. No, in Bulgaria. Because you didn't go. No, but you didn't go to. You didn't go to uh, Latvia this year. No. And the only other place we use Wizz Air for. Is I don't go Bulgaria. to Latvia now because we go. We use Wizz Air. But I hate Wizz Air. The only other place we, you used Wizz Air for was Bulgaria last year. Yeah. Maybe it was there. No. It, no. It was. I remember the time. We were just all flabbergasted that it wasn't being aggressive. It was very confusing. You anyway, we was I there? Yeah, you were there. Oh. I think you just walked off because you you thought I was going to get arrested. I wouldn't have none of that. Okay. Um, Anyone know him? No. No. <laughs> he's got, he's old. <laughs> just ignore him. Okay. So sorry for doing that article. I'm going to really try to. Yeah. So how much did Ustream pay you for that article? Because obviously they paid you because you're on the payroll, aren't you? I don't know what. I just don't understand. Like I just put out the numbers. One rider texted me and said, that they so could, One you, rider texted me and said, Yeah, those numbers seem right. I can believe it. Did they? Yeah. Good on you. Who was that? Nah, I'm not going to say. Oh, whatever. You're just making it up. No, I'm not. Because it was the okay. only I remember it clearly because it's the only person. So, who... when, when's your FNH article going to be going online? Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to do an FNH day on MX Vice. I'm trying to line up an interview with Natalie, an interview with Mikkel. An interview, uh, and then my article, so that like one random Tuesday will be like FNH day on MX5. So I've written my article, I'm just struggling to line up the interviews. Okay, well, get on and do your jobs there. But I thought, I don't Jason. know, maybe I shouldn't be so OCD mm-hmm. about having FNH day, I just think that'd be yeah. quite cool. Brilliant. Okay, so... I also caused a shitstorm this week oh. by doing my classic poll, which I do every year. Uh, which country would you like to see on the calendar next year? Just a new one, like not one that wasn't on this year. So, like, something different. Right, what have you done? As normally, that poll just bombs out big time. Uh, this, year, this time it's gone kind of crazy and everyone seems to have an opinion. So, okay, so what, what GP were they saying? What, oh, it's all over the show. I thought you just said you did Ireland was top. Ireland? Yeah, that's what those people have spoken. Closely followed by the USA. <laughs> that's it, you're banned there from Ireland. No, you know what? You know what? Oh, ooh, ooh. Desert Martin needs a GP. No, it doesn't. It's tiny. Fuck the yeah. track's narrow. It's a tiny facility. It's in the middle of nowhere. It can't handle a GP. I'm I'd, sorry. I would just like to say, oh, I'd like to counter that by saying, I do like uh, Desert Martin. I think it's a great track. GP track? No. 
I think it's a great track. It's near Magerfeld. Oh, it's only just down the road. Um, I found a hotel there. Great. There we go. Anyway, so um, that's you banned from Ireland. Anybody else bring up any other countries? Uh, USA was second. Okay. Not so sorry. Ireland was first? Yes. USA second? Yeah. Uh, we don't else? even have that many Irish visitors, which confuses me. Yeah, Ireland's winning by 8%. Wow. Third, Australia. Fourth, other. Fifth, other. Yeah. Why did you put other I can on only, there? I can only put 10 options on a poll. What, so everybody chose fucking other? <laughs> it's because everyone... It's because little no lesson one, learned there, no, eh? it's, it's because no one listened Where to me. Where else would you like a GP? It's, other. It's because A... No country called other. <laughs> no one listened to me because I put in the description thing... A, tra- a, a country that hasn't been on a schedule this year. So then everyone's obviously gone other because they want Matley. Really? Did you not put UK on there? No, because it was a poll based on what hasn't been on the calendar this year. So like, so not what country do you want to see come back? Because then we'll put Did down... Did nobody choose Japan? Japan was down in 3%, along with Brazil. What's wrong with people? Mexico had 0%. Come on! Japan. South Africa had 2%. Uh, yeah, I'd like, um, I don't know. Mexico had 0%. I feel like there might be a Mexican GP next year. So this has not, the synergy between my poll and that has not. Yeah, have fun in Mexico. I like the, the Leon Mexican GP goes down as Lat, with Latvia as one of my favourites. And there's Hang a on lot of people It wasn't there. one year, there was dead people later. No, that was 2012. I didn't go that year. I was too young. That was, that was my, the year I got my first article published on MX Vice. Oh. The article that I emailed in in 2011. <laughs> Such a <laughs> um, Maybe yeah. Jason will get it up quicker for you. But um, yeah, so what? Nothing. Um, so yeah, yeah, that poll went a bit mental. But right. people don't understand because I put in the description, it's not including countries that are on the calendar this year. And the reason I did that is because I knew everyone would just click Great Britain, Great Britain. And also, I'm pretty sure there is going to be a British GP next year. Okay. So stop it. Oh, like, when are we going to have Matterley back? It's going to be back. I'm sure of it. I'm 99% sure there'll be a British GP on the calendar that's released next week. Uh, also, if there's anybody out there that wants to do a podcast with me... Leave me alone. <laughs> ...on their show, um, I can talk about stuff. Not really good at it. If you had tried to do that Racerex podcast instead of me, you would have drowned within about three I don't minutes. Want to do, I don't want to do a Racerex podcast. Yeah, but you would have dra- you, would have <laughs> you would have tapped out after one question. So, yeah, if there's anybody out there that uh, wants me to feature on the podcast, then uh, give me a shout. I can talk all things digital. SEO, uh, social media, audience building, growth. I hate the word growth hacking, but uh, yeah, I build audiences. So uh, if you want me on your podcast show, give me a shout. Also, I like trainers as well. I can talk all day about Nike Air Maxes and big wangers. So yeah, that's my specialties. Yeah, Great, brilliant. But, but not motocross. Uh, so there we go. Moving on then, let's talk about, we, took, we spoke a little bit about it, free agents. I we... But there are some rumblings. I hear Covington's coming back. Yes. That's what I wanted to allude to. Yeah, there's all signs of pointing that he will be returning to GPs next year. But then I don't understand. Also, he put up a story, or his wife put up a story this week saying three days left in our Tallahassee home. So if you're in Belgium or Holland, you may be seeing him soon. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, um, well, to be fair, they could be going to Alabama or... Is he from Alabama? I think he is. <laughs> or Albuquerque. <laughs> Alabama. Alabama. I, think, I think he's from Alabama. It, it or sounds Albuquerque. like you're saying Alibaba. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I hear Covington's coming back, which would be interesting. Add another one to the, uh, the thing. But I don't like when... So October the 1st is the, typically the day for contracts to be announced. Not this year. That kind of fell flat very hard. Yeah, this year, not this year. Apart from February. Um, you look forward to October the 1st, you see, don't you? Yeah, it'd just be great if we could like not have it right after the nation. Yeah. November the 1st is is a big time for GPs because that's when like uh, 
uh, Jonas, Jazakonis, and people were announced last year. So maybe the commented thing gets announced then. I don't know. What, I guess we've got to wait for his Husky contract to run out. But then when does that run out? Because all American deals run out on October the 1st. But haven't they but already... he was signed for two years. So who, what, do, we, do we not announce? Do we like not talk about it until the end of 2020? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because he's, he's already been replaced, hasn't he? On the uh, team? Repla- I don't know if you can call it replaced. Okay. The team's got like 17 riders. What's to say that they wouldn't have 18 of Covington State? Okay. We've talked quite a lot about sort of the people coming in and out. We've talked about you upset in the public this week with your poll. Um, right. Let's go for another break. When we come back, should we talk about questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll see you in five. The, the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK, Talon wheels, sprockets, footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. 24MX is Europe's biggest e-commerce store carrying every product you need for your dirt bike. Their on-site part finder will help you to quickly find what you need to upgrade your dirt bike. Don't miss out on the weekly deals with prices that are unprecedented in the industry. Shop today at 24MX.com. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Thanks again to our sponsors. Without these guys, there's no, no way we could do what we do. So I really do appreciate the support. Interestingly, Lewis, I um, spoke to Tom at Image Design Customs in Assin and managed to get a really good uh, interview with him. So um, after this week's questions, if you hang around, then you can listen to the, the podcast I've done with, with Tom. Maybe Tom and myself might start up uh, our own podcast. I probably won't hang around, but thanks for the offer. Yeah. So do we have any questions? Yes. I was worried that we weren't going to get any. So did... it's the off-season, but we got lots. Okay, because we had quite a lot of questions last week. Yeah, it's weird. It's like people like sending in questions now. Amazing. Um, first off, yep. we have... Do you want to turn your phone well, off? Well, it's on vibration. Like, what more can I do? Vibration is the only option other than noise. Well, mine doesn't vibrate. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? No, first I... question is from okay. Phil Me on Facebook. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Phil Me. Phil Me. Phil Me. Well, that's in Phil Me. I don't want to feel you. Phil Me. Phil, um, Phil Me. Uh, with no British, <laughs> can you not get that? With Will no be. British GP scheduled, will riders make more of an effort to do the Hawkstone International for the fans? Two things. Uh, one, I'm pretty much certain there will be a British GP. Yeah. And secondly, it's not really the rider's choice. It comes down to what the teams are doing and what they want to do, all that kind of stuff. Like, I guess the riders can request it, but the buck stops with the team at the end. Uh, you're Googling funny names, aren't you? How do you know? Because it, you're predictable. Your sense of humour isn't original. You just, you find one joke and you stick with it for like seven years. See? <laughs> do you know? Like, that's unreal, isn't it? Uh, okay, from Phil Me, we go to Phil G, who says, getting into a 2020 buzz, yeah. which of the following is most likely after three rounds? Prado leads the championship without winning a moto. Hurlings is six for six. Fedra takes a win. Or Caroli leads the points. You want those again, don't you? Yeah. Prado leads the championship without winning a moto. Hurlings is six for six. Fevra takes a win or Caroli leads the points. Hurlings six for six. Yeah, I'd go that as well. Yeah. I think That's he's, the only safe bet. I, I think he's going to come back in. Yeah, he's going to be Hungary. Yeah, I can't. I don't feel safe with any of the others. Mick Powell says, how did James get on with his new ride on Sunday? Uh, 
not good. Unfortunately, weather got the best of me, or the better of me. Um, I was going to go out to actually out to Gloucester to um, Arlingham, one of Lawson Benjamin's tracks. Really, really good. If you ever get a chance to, uh, if you're looking for somewhere nice to practice, then then check out uh, what Lawson Benjamin does, um, Formbrio Max. Really, really good tracks. Great preparation and everything else. So um, I was hoping because it takes me back to uh, the days of you know just nice graded fun tracks so that's what i was looking forward to but unfortunately saturday night's rain was too much and a perfectly graded amazing looking track on the saturday was just left with puddles and everything else on the sunday so uh, i have to wait another week i was hoping to go out tomorrow but i've just been told that i have to do uh, a school run in the morning so i was going to try and get it to apex uh, and back before a school run but i'll probably bugger that up so um my, my wife might kill me so it looks like it's going to be Saturday now. Nice. Mm. Great. At Jamie Colby. You really don't care, do you? Huh? You just really don't care about my riding, do you? No. <laughs> Tosser. At Jamie Colbrook. Thanks, so. Thanks for the interest in my riding. Thank you. Mick. Mick. At Jamie Colbrook, please will somebody find out what's going on with Anstey? I've told you. That's where we're at. There's, not, there's no secret here at the moment. At Justin Harris, who's your guest for MX2 champ in 2020? Tom Vial. Draken. Or what's yours? Well, I'm quite surprised you didn't go with Ben. Because I thought you told Tom me Vial that... Tom is the pre-season favourite. But I thought you told me um, that uh, Ben Watson was going to just dominate everything. I don't think I said dominate everything. But no, on, if you look at it on paper and kind of what the expected level of progress should be, then Tom Vial is... It's hard to look past Tom Vial as a pre-season favourite. Mm. What about... Um, yeah, okay. I don't... Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that Vial... We're, we're sat here. Olsen. Olsen is probably the safest bet. I don't really know why I didn't choose him. Yeah. Well, if you... Do you know, I, I can't bet against Vial because of the season he's had this year. Um, however, Olsen, you've got to think he's got to get that job done. Okay. Yeah. He kind of really ended that on an odd point. Yeah, sorry. I, prob- I just think that he's been there or thereabouts. I just don't know. There could be a surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody out of nowhere... Like a Boirami or uh, no, no, no. Um, Moose Dyke. A Moose yeah, or, or somebody like that literally just gets a win and then goes and puts a run together. Uh, Colin Dory says, Hey, Colin. I was really surprised how two rookies of the MXON, Cooper and Webster, did on Saturday at Assen on a sandy Euro track. Does this show that maybe the depth in MX2 GPs isn't as high as people believe, or some riders don't push on Saturday? once in a low-scoring position. The old story goes that Villapoto killed everyone in the qualifying race in Thailand in 2015 by like 30 seconds. Like, just wiped the floor of everyone. And all the GP riders were like, what the hell is he doing? Like, we don't push that hard on a Saturday. Like, this is not the time to be going insane. There's enough in race. So maybe, that, maybe there is a bit of that. I do think it did maybe show a little lack of depth in MX2, but then at the same time, did we have all of the guys there? No. We didn't have Vial. We had Gertz. We had Olsen. We had Sterry. We had Vlanderin. But you're missing Vial. You're missing Prado, Ben, some others. Beaton, Evans, Jacoby. It's quite a lot, actually. More than I even thought now that you list them off. So yeah. there was a bit. I think there's a bit of that as well. Like That was every class of the nations. Yeah. So, But Cooper and Webster both did do ridiculously well. Yeah. Cooper, especially, obviously. Cooper in the... I was really impressed. I didn't know what to expect. I expected... I knew what to expect from Anderson and uh, Osborne. But I didn't know what to expect from Cooper. And when I seen Cooper on Saturday, I was like, oh, shit. He's good. And I, I knew he was good. 
I just didn't realize he was good in in Assen Sand. Another question from Colin. Simpson had his best ride of the season at the MXON and his dad was back helping with a bike. Coincidence? Or did he just put in a captain's performance? From what I hear, Simpson got slipped a little something for his bike for donations that he was quite happy with. Oh, what, what was it? I don't know. That's all I got told. He got given, he got given some help. Whole he new was, engine? He was, he's made it no secret the fact that he's not, been unhappy, he's not been happy with his bike basically all year. Did he get a whole new bike? No. But he's not. Yeah, he's made no secret about the fact that. He's, what was it in a seat? I don't know. I didn't get told. I just Aren't got, you a journalist? It was kind of. It wasn't someone official. It was just kind of hearsay. But yeah, it's no secret that he got. He hasn't been happy with his bike all year, and uh, rumor has it he got given something from KTM or whatever that helped a lot for the nations. So. Mm. Dive MX says, "How close is Anstey to moving to America?" Right now, knowing what I know, I would put money on him doing GPS. That's where my money is. And I wouldn't have said that um, two, three weeks ago. You would have said he's on the plane. Yep. But right now... Plane no, is not, grounded. Knowing what I know and knowing how the cards are currently stacked, I would put all of my money on him being in GPs. And the plane is grounded. And the great thing is he doesn't listen to this podcast. We can say anything. To be fair, he came up to me at the Nations and he said, I feel like sometimes I probably say too much. Because apparently uh, Team GB did a... Do the like presentation dinner thing on a Friday night. Yeah. And he was there and he got interviewed and apparently he just told everyone there that he was hoping to ride for JGR next year. <laughs> he was like, Do you reckon I should be saying stuff like that? And I was like, oh. to each our own. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Scratch77 said, just curious, I don't think I ever saw any rumors or ideas of Stuart going to the GPs. Did these ever float around or have any truth at all? I always find it interesting when the top US guys seem to ignore the GP stage. Do you know? There was, in 2009, when Stuart like, launched his Supercross-only deal with San Manuel, there were stories floating around that said he was going to do Supercross, and then this crazy schedule where he'd do a couple of GPs and a couple of nationals. Although looking back now, obviously at that point I was a kid, and I kind of believed everything I read. Now, looking back now and knowing who reported on those things, I kind of never believe it was true. Do you know what? That's a great question for Roger Larson, and he listens to this podcast because he told me. So, um, <laughs> Brilliant. Roger, you got a question. Can you answer this, please? So uh, if you can just send us a, a message on Instagram, let us know either way whether James Stewart ever got close to or full of doing GPs. That'd be pretty I, cool. I do remember, I remember sitting in the school library on a computer reading this story and being like, oh my God, Stuart's going to do a couple of GPs. Insane. Oh my God. But then now, looking back and knowing more about, knowing more about each individual site and their background and stuff than I did then, I fully believe it was rubbish. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting because uh, I know he, Roger's got an interesting take on uh, American riders and GPs and uh, what it, he understands what it takes and who would be suited and, and, and who wouldn't. So um, it'd be interesting to find out from him. Phil Malins, Malins, Malins said, uh, do you think there should be a minimum qualifying time, especially at flyaways? Because to me, those Chinese riders should not have been racing. Way too dangerous. How long before someone gets seriously injured because of a slower rider or is, or is it to make up for numbers on the grid? Well, we've already seen in the nations when we have slow riders and how dangerous well, it can be. I was thinking this at Assen. Everyone makes a big song and dance about the wild cards at these GPs. But nations is actually worse. Nations is way worse. But no one cares because it's for nations and you yeah. kind of don't want to, you don't want to open any can of worms because it's for nations and we won't spoil it. I, I am definitely not the greatest rider 
but I could represent some countries. No. You're such an asshole. No, that's, that's, that's far. Really? You wouldn't have got round Assen. I've never seen you ride, but I feel fairly confident. I don't even know what. Why do I even come on this show? Do you know what? You think you would have got around Assen in the mud? Yeah, I'm a great mud rider. Sand? But from the southwest, buddy. This okay. is, we grew up in mud. Fair enough. It rains here all the time. But I can see that. Gosh. There was... So negative. When was it? out of Jason. Around like... Oh, I can't remember what year it was, but at the beginning of the GP season, there was a 100% rule implemented, but then it got scrapped. So, I guess it was tried and tested and didn't work out. But again, as well, you're kind of in a tricky scenario because if you do that, you're stopping um, Indonesian riders, Chinese riders, and all these people from competing. And then you're kind of saying like the federation are like yes we've got a gp we can promote this we can improve our riders show them what it's all about and then you're saying oh no sorry sorry we're not actually going to let any of your riders compete that's a bit i feel like that probably wouldn't go down well so, what what was the worst team you ever seen at nations um china i think yeah actually no because there was a, there was someone at the nations this year who was appalling i think i can remember greece when you were quite bad there was someone at Matley in 2006, and I think it was China. I'll tell you what, send, uh, if, if you guys listen to this, then uh, send a tweet to us on uh, at Motocross Vice um, with what was your best or worst memory or the worst team that you've seen trying to waddle around the uh, nations. At Stuart CMX says, what is the idea behind a provisional calendar? Surely they should just publish the official calendar and all, when all rounds are signed and agreed. That would be nice because then we wouldn't have to refund our... Uh, who actually um, lose money on flights. But I kind of see it because it, it does give you a good indication of what money you need to get in and what, oh, there's going to be two extra flyaways next year. Okay, now we need to start looking for more sponsors or looking for this. And at the end of the day, that calendar will dictate whether some riders go for two riders or three. So I feel like teams almost need that warning in July. And although the dates change a lot, the core, what do you call it? The core structure of the calendar is the same with the number of flyaways and stuff like that. Mm. So. I think it's like you can't drop a calendar now for the first time, which no one has seen, and be like, yeah, we're doing four extra flyaways. Because everyone, all the teams are going to be like, what? A bit of warning would, yeah, a bit yeah. Of warning would have been nice. Yeah. So, and it's getting more and more expensive each year for teams. Okay. And how was your uh, uphill walk to school? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, at JLil101, are we running out of young world-level talent in British MX? Yes. Are we? Yes. Okay. Right. Do you not agree? Uh, I have thoughts, but I don't want to get those thoughts because you don't really want to hear my no, opinion. No, you go on. No, you don't. Uh, Joel Rizzi? Yeah. And Eddie Wade? Yeah, Eddie J. Wade, yeah. And? I think there's a lot of riders on the, that are currently on the RMG program which have been doing quite well in Europe. Um, I think they've got um, a few riders which are, are looking really good. I'm just trying to think of names of kids I've watched this year in EMX. Uh, rounds. There hasn't really been many that have qualified. Um, no, but if 65 and 85, there's been a oh. couple of um, a couple of riders doing really well. I mean, you haven't watched either of those classes all year, but... I ha- I've, yeah, I, I kind of keep up results oh. and like obviously know what went on in the Junior World Championships. I, I, it's not as great as it could be. However, it's not as bad. It's bad. There are a lot, of, there good, are... There are a lot of good riders, but maybe not great. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I, I, you know, again, online... Someone put up a, I can't remember what it was, but someone put up a picture of something in 1990-something and there was, you know, how many GP riders did Britain. It's not, it's, it's not like that. The times have changed. And I don't, I mean, there, there's definitely not 
there's definitely not the quality um, of riders coming through. But I don't think it's, you know, it's like I said, I'm a great believer and I think there is talent out there. I just think, um, yeah, I just don't think we've, I think it's, too, it's spread too thinly amongst all these nationals and all these events, what we got. Okay. And, and money is, is, is tough out there. So yeah, I think, I think there's, it's not like before where we had, uh, what have we got, about five or six GP riders from the UK now? Yeah, three in each class. Yeah, so um, will we see another six riders in another five years? I don't know. I don't know. Because there used to be four in uh, MX2, didn't there? Because we had Sword, McKenzie, Nunn, and who else did we have at that time? I remember thinking, I had a theory. I'm trying to think of my theory. I had a theory. Oh, well, we had Sword, Nunn. Oh, Sword was in there at the same um, time, wasn't he? Church. Tom Church as well. No, oh, Tom. I remember. Because... Back in the day, I had a. Cr- I think this was it. I, you I you had up- a crush on someone. No, I had a crazy theory. Oh. Right, there was one year where basically each British rider went in a circle in silly season because Tommy went from Molson to Red Bull KTM. Yeah. Did none go from Red Bull KTM to Dixon, and then De- and then Mackenzie went from Dixon to De Groot, replacing Sword, who went from De Groot to Molson, replacing Sell, who went from Molson to. Red Bull KTM, who replaced, like, it was a, it was a loop. I wow. think that was it. Look how excited you are. <laughs> I just remembered. I remember thinking about, I remember thinking about that when I was like nine or whatever and being like, what are the chances? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it anyway. Right. At PWAAZ0706. Yeah. Uh, do you think Glenn Helen should be considered for the MXON? I think so. I think, obviously it was on, it was billed to host it in like 2017. Yeah. Uh, and it got basically shut down. I think everyone's scared because of how the GPs went. But at the end of the day, it's the nations. You're going to have so many industry people, so many local riders, so many young amateurs. The fans wouldn't be a problem like they were at the GP, I don't think. And not only that, you're going to attract people from Europe who can go to California on holiday. I would like to see um, Denver come back. So Denver, Colorado. And I'd like to see Buds Creek, Maryland. I'd like to see both of those have done uh, nations previously. And they're two great tracks. Is it Thunder Valley? Yeah. Thunder Valley and um, Buzz Creek. To, I've got to say, when I went to the Nations and both of those, it, it was unreal. Really, really good. Nick Schoenfelder, 734, said, Hurlins crashed again? Question mark? Uh, no. He just got his metal removed from his foot and ankle, which was always the plan and has been the plan for months now. So he, that was the reason for his surgery. There's a lot of clickbaity stuff out there this week. Oh, you love a good clickbait, don't you? Not like that. No. Nope. A lot of... Yeah, but um, it was no big deal. It was always on the cards. It wasn't like it was a... It's not like it was... It's not like it's going to set him back at all or anything like that. But I think he's going to start hammering down in December by sounds of it. So, um, I got a question. No, it's not funny. It's not funny. You can't say the same joke 17 times. I'm, I'm not saying the same joke. You are. What stupid name... Because yeah. this whole question segment, all I've seen is you just typing furiously trying to figure it out. So... Hilarious. Brilliant. Thomas. SB93. Well, Ophelia Balls. Terrible. She wants to know. And not even, not only that. She, she wants to know that when you were talking to Jason on the podcast. Terrible. What were you wearing? That's terrible. Or that's were you wearing even, anything? That's just terrible. Literally terrible. Literally, maybe the worst, maybe the most unfunny thing I've ever heard in my life. What about Oliver deli- Closol? Even the delivery was poor. Thomas okay. SB93 said, where will the Dutch GP be next year since Volkenswaard and Assen are having difficulties? What about Papa Woody? Okay, I'll ask answer that then. Um, Asen, the Assen people 
said that after the nations, they were going to have meetings with Ustream to see what was going on, um, like what the opportunities were for next year. And I guess the success and the cost of the nations probably had a lot to do with that as well. Vulcanswald's been like under threat for years and years and years now. Like every year, I feel like every year I've gone to Vulcanswald, someone's gone, yep, this is the last time we're coming here. And it never comes true. So I almost don't believe it will ever go away. But from the threat they've got from the government and noise and all this kind of stuff, I'm guessing it has to sometime. At the moment, I don't, I don't know what way I'd put my bet other than the fact that I'm really not, I really can never see um, it disappearing, Vulcanswald. Can I ask you a question? No, it's not funny. If somebody had the name Mo Lester, that's, would that make you laugh? That's not even funny because that one's been used like a million times. I've seen that on Twitter like 20,000 times. Manly Bulls? No. That's not even really a name. Mel Esther? He's, you're at, you can tell that um, you're at the bottom of the list compared to when you started doing these funny jokes. These funny, funny jokes. Final question. What about Gentle Towards? Final question. Gold Brantz says, feels like the tracks in MXGP are the same each year. Should they be re- rebuilt more often? What? I'm just looking at Harry Sachs. That's not funny. Harry Reams? That's not funny. What about Hugh Gas? That's not... None of these are... These are, these are such stretches to make. Okay. I, I like it. When, whenever a track gets redesigned, I do get excited because you can go to some places that are a bit samey. But then it's... A lot of these places have water structures in place, fences, all of that stuff. Trees. But basically restrict them to what they've got. But um, Urn A for the Nations is going to be redesigned. So that's exciting. Matley's only recently had one. St. John like, added a loop recently. So not a massive redesign, but something at least. I would like to see like tracks like Assen. Like the Assen GP track was exactly the same for however many years. I'd like to see those tracks change more, considering they have a blank landscape to do whatever they want with. And uh, it would actually be interesting if we go back to Assen, if they'll use the GP design or the Nations design. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is the end of the questions. Clint That's Torres. the end of the questions. Clint Torres. You missed your you missed your you missed your boat. It's the end of the questions. Section's over now. Okay. What about Craven Moorhead? That not funny? Nope. We're done. Questions are done. Okay. Right. Well, interestingly. Um, I feel like I basically did that question section all by myself. Well, to be honest, I'm still not I'm a bit, a bit annoyed about you and your other podcast. I asked your permission. Yeah. Well, I didn't think you were gonna go through with it. Oh. So, um, yeah, there we go. Um, do you know a Fonda Cox? See, not funny. Not funny. Fud G Packer? Not funny. Okay, so um, thanks for those questions this week, everybody. Really appreciate that. And um, uh, please send in more questions. And if you've got anything to make Lewis laugh, because uh, I'm trying my best here and he's just getting very stressed with me. So... Um, uh, don't forget about your interview. Yes, so great interview coming up um, because I've done it. It's with Tom at Image Design Custom who do all the cool helmets. Great insight into the business and what he does and everything else. Lewis, you like helmets, don't you? Like, I've never met someone so keen to be funny, yet so painfully unfunny at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you were a stand-up comedian... Not all of us if you were a stand- have friends that are in a comedy if, club. If you were a stand-up comedian, it's not that there would be booze. There would just be silence because everyone would be like, I don't understand. I genuinely don't like... Not like that's a bad joke, just like I don't understand Does he think he's funny. Like, there'd just be lots of murmuring of like, what's, what's going on? What's he doing? We're done. The interview's coming up. You can continue with your fun and games if you like. Okay. I am Tao Iwaka. Yep. 
my headset's coming off. I'm, I'm out I'm, of here. I'm done for this week. Uh, thanks, everyone. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening and uh, hope you enjoyed it. See you next week. Bye. The MX Vice Show. Hey, welcome to uh, the MX Vice Podcast. I'm James Burfield. And with me is Tom from Image Design Custom. Hi. How are you, Tom? Not so bad. It's uh, it's a little bit wet today, but uh, we're getting through it. So um, I'm interviewing Tom here. Uh, we're in Assen at the moment, and we're probably in the best place in Assen. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're actually feeling sorry for everybody in the uh, stands, which are with uh, wet weathers and, and umbrellas. That's why we're here drinking beer and doing podcasts. Yeah, it's just gone 12, so... Um, that means we can have a beer, doesn't it? It definitely does, yeah. We've um, had coffee before that, haven't we? We have had a little coffee. <laughs> so, Tom, I, I think, weirdly, our paths haven't crossed. Um, and you've been in motocross a long time. I've been in motocross a long time. And it's I've obviously very aware of the brand. And um, for me, helmet design, I always think of Troy Lee design in the 80s, where he really, where it all started. And I, I think growing up, I... I I, I always wanted my Arai helmet with a Troy Lee designs in the, in the whole custom, but it always seemed afar. A how, how did you, how well, did you get into this? Who didn't want the Troy Lee helmet? You know, it was back in the days. You know, when you know Troy, Troy made the mark. You know, he he was the one that we were all looking to, and I, I would say that ninety percent of the painters probably in my era were looking at Troy, and. That was a guy. That was a go-to guy, and he was doing the, the big superstars in the US, and and that's what we all looked at in Europe. And I would say that there was quite a few of us in those days, um, myself and people like Jason from JLF Designs. We would look at Troy, and we would try and emulate him or come up with the next the next designs that we were, you know, trying to make best we could. Um, but definitely, Troy was a big part of it in those days. Yeah. That's very cool. So, when did you first start painting helmets, or, was, or have the interest in it? I was leaving school, 15, 16 years old. Um, I've always been into the the art side of things, so um, I was always into photography. Um, and it was my granddad actually. He said, "Look, do you want a dark room to develop photos, or do you want an airbrush?" And I chose the airbrush room. And I was always into photography as well, but it was literally the airbrush and that was it. I wanted an Arai for Christmas. <laughs> I got a BF in. <laughs> I remember those. So I wanted the BF to look like an Arai, so that's when I had my first go at painting a crash helmet. And wow. to make it look like an Arai. It didn't end up too well. <laughs> but you learn. Yeah. You know, that's that's where you start. And that's that's literally where it started. In the garage, you know, the bikes, dad dad would have the bikes in the in the garage and I'd have a little bit in the corner and I'd start airbrushing and that was it and that's where it's picked up so 16 years old you've got your helmet you've decided do you know what I'm going to see if I can how do you go from um, what was, what's been the journey from going from that 16 year road to where you are now with, with Image Design Custom is one of the you know the place the, the helmet designs in the world right now I was quite fortunate there was a couple of racers that were local to me um, Anthony Dean, he was jet ski racer, British champion, um, jet ski, and Matthew Bates was was local guy to me. Yeah, and I literally knocked on their doors. Um, Anthony was a, a friend of mine anyway. From, he was in my brother's year at school, and they gave me some opportunities, you know, to paint their crash helmets. And they were 
they were in the limelight yep. to a certain extent. And that's really where I started. And, you know, it snowballs from there. Once you do one, um, you do another one and they, they, you know, someone sees it, your mate sees it. And so it was down to those guys. And, excuse me, I used to train with um, Dickie Dye and Dave Thorpe when I was racing myself. So I was fortunate to be in the right circles. And that's when, you know, doors open. Ah, cool. So you kind of, uh, so your network of people basically would come back from, uh, well, come from racing. Yes. So you're first and foremost a racer and then an artist. Yeah, absolutely. I was as as, as an interest. Yeah. I raced BMX when I was young. um, And then I went on to do, I didn't, I wasn't much of a schoolboy racer. I didn't, you know, I, dad was racing every weekend. So in between when he was racing, I would get the chance to race myself. And then it was only, I, I didn't do many schoolboy events. Um, but after that, I got into the adults and I started racing and had a fairly successful career um, doing four straight racing. Cool. Third in the British Championship was my, was my best year. Wow. Um, so not too bad. Not yeah, too bad. that's something to chat about. Absolutely. And again, that opened doors. You know, yeah. You, you, you meet people every weekend and you're in the scene. Um, and through Dave Thorpe, I got to do the 1994 Motocross Donation Hermits when we won. Very cool. Again, a big door opens there. Yeah. You know, and it was a long street that the Americans were winning, and the, the next country to win was us, and I painted the helmets. I was 18 years old. Amazing. Very cool. Yeah. So literally from, from... So is that right? So from 16 to 18, you went from literally kind of just starting to then actually painting the helmets yeah yeah to, in, for, the, for the British team yes in 93 I painted the helmets for Jared Smith Kurt Nickel um, and that's and that's that was another that was another break for me as well and then 94 was the big year yeah and then yeah you, you know you try and build your business from there but wow. it's been you know that was a, a long time ago now so for for people kind of looking on, I've, I've kind of I know a little bit about businesses myself, and everybody kind of looks at where Image Design is now in MX Vice now, and uh, they don't quite know how long we've spent trying to build it and all the stuff which goes on uh, behind the scenes. So for any budding artists which are kind of possibly kind of thinking, how do I make this work? Yeah, for myself. I mean, have you got any advice for those types of people? Because you've kind of been there, seen it, and done it. Yes, I would say to be patient and take your time mm-hmm. and do the best job that you that you can do. And with us, it's about delivering a service for these companies, these races. So it's really it's the service. Um, there's lots of really good painters out there. Um, there's some friends of mine all over the world um, that do the most amazing paint jobs and they're in a, sim- a similar kind of boat it's about the service that you provide yeah um, it's not just about painting the best helmet you know if you give any one of these helmet painters across the world four weeks to paint a crash helmet they will all come up with a magnificent piece of artwork yeah however in our business it's not always like that you don't have four weeks you know sometimes you have four days sometimes you have four hours yeah and you've got to create um a kind of masterpiece 
yeah. that's acceptable, that's got the branding on it, that's got the logos on it, that's going to go out racing that weekend. So it's all, you know, if I were to give any advice to, a, to another painter, then that would be provide the service, um, do, do the best of your ability. And not, everyone, um, not everyone's designs is everyone's taste, but just execute it the best you can do. So, obviously, this is stuff. Uh, this is knowledge. What you're passing on to other people, because you've had to learn by mistakes we make in business. Yeah. Um, so, at what point uh, you done the six, so sixteen to eighteen? Um, you went from just picking up an airbrush to actually painting, and then it, at what point did you kind of realise that you know if I, I could spend three weeks on a helmet, but I'm going to earn the same money <laughs> as I'm going to spend. Like doing three days, it's not going to be the same job, but that's what people are asking for. And ha- did, was there a time when you, you, you did you make some mistakes and some sort of failures along the way where you kind of like had to, okay, I've got to make this work commercially as a business? Yeah, there was lots of mistakes in the early days, and I would say that that was probably a good thing because in those days I would go to the library to look at um, how to paint something you know there was no internet no. in those days and I think it's a good thing because you learn to you know on the 11th hour when you're struggling and you need to, to work your way around a, a problem there wasn't internet there wasn't a book there wasn't someone on the end of the phone so you kind of learn to make the best of what you've got and I think that that's a good, that's a good training um, ability is to is to work it out yourself. So, you know, with some of my my employees, they, they're really good because they they're problem solvers. They don't, you know, they if there's a problem, if there's a colour match and it's not going to work, these guys can work it out. So I think that's a really good um, good way to be. It's not just relying on say the internet or something like that. So yeah. it's, it's, it's learning how to work it out yourself. And uh, do, you, do you have this, because I've worked with designers over the years, and um, they're all perfectionists. So, and one thing, especially when it's got your name on um, with image design, do you, do you still have this internal tussle about, um, that's my name, I want to do the best I can, but I'm, when then you have this uh, compromise between time, money, and everything else. Do you still have that, that burning desire inside what you have to keep pushing down? Of course, yeah. I mean, everyone wants it to be perfect, but we're, we're hand-painting helmets to a certain level, so you've got to accept that it is hand-painted, it's not done from a machine. We, we get assisted now by, you know, masks and plotters and stuff like that. In the old days, I had to cut everything out by a scalpel. Um, but now we get a plotter that will cut masks um, and we have vinyl um, printing as well, which yeah. for someone like Monster, they, they like us to use a vinyl, so everything remains consistent in their logo, yeah. um, which is fine. Yeah. But the mastery is making it not look like a vinyl, you know, yeah. not look like it's just been snapped on and, and, and lacquered over. So there's, there's, different, there's different ways of, of creating that that masterpiece okay so that's really interesting because you're using terms which obviously I don't know and I'm sure a lot of people who are not familiar with um, with, with, with the helmet designs so, so, so it's a case of you, you've kind of have to do age old techniques which you've learned you know for the past sort of 20 years as well as a, a, adopt new techniques I guess with um, ways of trying to, I guess, cut time, cut down the time of project, because I'm guessing Monster, I've been in business for a while, so I, I, sometimes clients will come to you and say, 
you haven't got three weeks. Um, I need it done for tomorrow. Do you get those? Yeah, we, we have it quite a bit. And when when we took on um, some of the contracts that we got at the moment, yeah, they they would say to us, look, sometimes we're going to give you two weeks. Sometimes we're going to give you two days. Do you want do you want the contract? Yes, of course. And you learn to. Um, you learn to adapt yeah. to the time scale. So it would be good to have two weeks to do every single paint job, but we don't, unfortunately. No. And so, so thinking, uh, go back to the the eighteen year old uh, self. Um, how did you start to build the business? I I started. I was on my own. I was in a you know I was in the garage. Then I got a little workshop, which was uh, local to me. Yeah. And really, it was just building. I was trying to get the big names, you know, the local races and the, the British Championship guys at the time. And the donations opened up a few doors. And being local with people like Dave Thorpe, and it, it did open a few doors. Um, but it's hard as a, as a single guy in a, in a shed to, to make a living. And it is, it is quite hard. Um, if you were to go back then... Um, if you go back now to what I knew, then well, I mean, it's it's the it's the glass floor. You know, everyone, yeah. everyone would in hindsight. To, in hindsight, <laughs> I think one of the hardest things is is learning to say no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if someone's not prepared to pay the money, yep, it's hard to sometimes go no. I don't. You know, I'll move on to the next project. So, you know, you learn. To say no. To say no. Yeah. Now that's a great bit of advice because uh, it's really relevant because sometimes it's like, oh, I really need to pay the bills, so I have to take this project. But then by taking that project at a lower price, you might miss out on a project of somebody coming in and saying, oh, actually, well, I want to pay the, the right money. And then you have to turn them down because you're delivering this. And then sometimes those people might say, oh, I'm not happy with this. Can you then change this? Because they don't value your service. Yeah, a lot of the time when you take on a project or um, a contract, sometimes you kick yourself because you're looking at, you know, an, another contract will come in and then you're looking at, I could be working on that, you know, that we could be earning money, decent money doing that, Yeah. but we've had to take on this. So it's a, it's, it's a balance, you know, it's finding that balance. You know, we there's lots of different sides to image design. It's not just crash helmets. Crash Helmets is about 40% of the business. Okay. The other 60% is doing lots of work on motorcycles. So Harley-Davidson's, Ducatis, Yamahas, Nortons, so BMW. So actually only about 40% is is the helmets. Okay, so at what point did the business start to develop? Is that like the custom tank paintings? Yeah, we did did quite a bit of work for um, some Harley-Davidson dealerships. Uh, there's a there's a place called Sykes Harley Davidson, which is just near Lewis, okay. and Wars Harley Davidson. Now they they're creating these lovely bikes. You know they're doing really good custom builds. Yeah, and we were fortunate enough to do the painting for them. So again, a little bit like the helmets in the in the Harley world. Yeah, people start to see our work. They start to see our name, and it's it, that is all custom you know there isn't any cutting corners with the, with the Harley side of things right um, so we're taking on projects um, we're giving them lead times and everything is done to to a time scale but there's no corners cut you yeah know, it's a it's a full-on custom business wow that's very cool so uh, 
So, so was that sort of around about sort of 10, 15 years ago that started to develop? 12 years, 12 years ago, um, myself and my business partner, Steve, yeah. um, we met at another company. I was freelance airbrushing. Yeah. Um, it was quite local. And from there, um, it was a company called Altimura. And then from there, we set up Image Design. So that was probably 15 years ago that, that Steve and I met, uh, my business partner now. Yeah. And we set up in the design and then you know, never looked back. The rest is history, mm. as they say. Mm. Ah, that's cool. So um, going back to the, so obviously the helmet design, What um, is there one helmet which sticks out, which has been like your baby or the one which you've loved doing? Is there like one which is the helmet of all helmets? I would say probably one of the donations helmets. It was probably for Paul Mallon. Yeah, um, and Kurt Nickel, I always see those, and Bob Heron. You know, they were all the. It was the team helmets for '94. Um, we, we did a little bit of a, um, a a gimmicky kind of cartoon style um, thing with it, with the with the USA on the top. You know, we you know we had the the British Bulldog on the top, and it was kind of facing the Statue of Liberty and the, the, the American Eagle. And fortunately, we won it that year. So wow. It was that it was that year um, that was uh, you know a standout, and there's, we've done lots of we've done lots of helmets since, mm-hmm. um, but they're the ones that probably stick out for me. So I, I mean, I have never like obviously we got talking this weekend. So have you ever thought about sort of building some like retro designs of of the, the helmets which are and then selling those as replicas? Every day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> We, we all love the, the retro stuff and, yeah. and we look back at the 80s and the 90s styles and the retro stuff's really cool. Um, I've got a couple of JT ALS helmets. Wow. Um, still in the box, one of them. And another one I've painted in like a, um, like a, a, a white color and David Bailey signed it. So that one oh. will be... I've just got a little bit excited. That one will be uh, a replica of his. So, yeah, we all love the retro, yeah. you know, the old look. And it still, it does, you know, every 10 years, that's what they say, and it does come round and yeah. we'll still pick it out. For, for people who's listened to this, um, there's a smile which comes on Tom's face when he mentions uh, JT Helmet and David Bailey. So uh, you're not going to see that on the podcast, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see because you can see that there's a lot of passion there. Um, and going forward, is there any... Any future athletes or any current athletes that you'd like to work with? Well, it depends on the it depends who these guys take on really. So every year is a different um, there's different athletes, and it's really good to to work with um, you know the, the top guys that they're on the podium. You know we're 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 fortunate that we get the chance to do it. So we don't always determine who's going to be our next athlete. Someone else does. Okay. Um, and we, we've done quite a bit of work with Fox, which was nice, yeah. um, in the early days of the, um, the Magnetic Peaks. So we were helping those guys out. Okay. Um, and they, they call us up to do the helmets for Tim Geyser and yeah. for Landron for this weekend. Very cool. Which is really nice. Yeah. Um, so it's good to work with um, manufacturers like that. Yeah. Um, and we work with quite a few different helmet manufacturers. So they, it's, good to, it's good to be able to create stuff for them yeah, and keep them keep them pleased and happy. Well, actually, that, that takes me on to another thing which just popped in my head. So, 
to like say we've got like we've got Arrow, we've got Bell, we've got uh, 60, uh, we've got Just One, we've got all these cool helmet manufacturers. Do they come to you for advice now with like colorings and designs when they're actually thinking about manufacturing these helmets? Yes, I think some of the helmet manufacturers that you've just mentioned, they look at us, look at image design um, for designs. You know, we are working with some of the manufacturers at the moment for designs for next year yeah. and the year after. And it starts now and we're looking and we are already designing stuff for um, to, you know, 2021. Wow, um, that's cool. So they, yes, they do look at us for some advice and some help. Yeah. Um, which is which is cool. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, that's a good part of the business, and it's it's good to be involved in those early days of design. Yeah. Because for me, it's like a it's a no brainer when you're trying to produce the best helmets. Of course, you would want the best designers out there to to give you advice, knowledge, and influence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I think that quite a few manufacturers look at the helmet painters to assist them. You know, and it's a it's a design. It's a, it's a design range, really, that they're... A lot of the manufacturers now are doing, you know, head-to-toe with all of their gear. So yeah. the helmet is is going to be following the line of the gear. So it's good to be able to see some of the lines that they're going to bring out yeah. and what they're looking into into the future. And it could be anything, you know. It's, it's you know, some of the manufacturers are coming out with some quite wacky stuff, and then the next year it'll be quite subtle. Yeah. You know, two-tone colours and stuff like that. So it's... it's it's evolving every, every, every year. And regarding sort of future designs and stuff like that, are you kind of influenced by fashion, design, um, externally to motocross, and that helps kind of shape what you think? Do you, do you keep that much of uh, an interest in what happens outside of motocross to influence what you're going to be doing in motocross going forward? I try to, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't... Sometimes I like to sort of look outside of the industry. So it could be... You could be in home base looking at some wallpaper. Yeah. And you go, that's a good print. That's a nice design. Someone's thought about that design, that print. So I, I like to look outside of the, the racing industry um, at all different designs. I, I try and keep up with the, you know, the fashion trends, whatever it might be. Yeah. So you have to look at those things. And if you've got... You know, if you've got the balls, then you'll you'll stick one out there. Yeah. And people will go, "What? What's that all about?" But then six months later, it's coming into trend. So yeah. you've got to try and be ahead of the game, but it's it's quite hard. Yeah, it's hard, I guess, to innovate, but also um, make it work. Yeah. Uh, and get people on board with your with with your designs. But I think uh, I think what you're doing within the industry is uh, what every uh, ten year old in the um, in the 80s, 90s, yeah. wanted to be because it is a very, very cool job. But you, it's one of those things not that everybody can do it. So, for instance, I may have got GCSE in art, but let's face it, when it comes to painting helmet, I think that would be quite a funny video, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it, it's one thing with design. I, I come from a web background, but I was never going to be the world's best designer or developer. You have to have an eye for these things. Yeah, you, you definitely got to have an eye, and, and the, the, the guys that work for me and the girls, um, they're, 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 they're a good, they're a good bunch. You know, for me as a as a boss, I don't 
generally like you know if someone comes up to me and they've got a CV as long as your arm yeah I tell them a degree and uh, yeah um, I tell them to put it away you know it's it's about having an initiative and, and and working smart yeah and you know I've got a really good team so I can't take the full credit oh, I don't know mate you know, I don't these, know mate you know, these, these these founders they've got to take some credit you can take some credit <laughs> but you know back in those days when I was on my own yeah um, you know there was there was tough times there so when you when you create a good team that's that's the best feeling and you know when I'm, I'm here and I'm looking at going back on into the office on Tuesday yeah I know tomorrow um, the team are going to be there they're going to be handling the situation and they're going to be working on the next project so that's a really good for me it's a massive part is to have a is to have a good team yeah so um the other thing what we should mention is not just GP and um, in the UK that you work with, you work worldwide. We do work worldwide and through uh, the MXGP scene, you're doing all sorts of nationalities and, yeah. and different um, brands as well. So um, it does go worldwide and we, we're shipping crash helmets out, we're shipping paintwork out across the world every single week. So that's quite a good feeling. You know, I know that I can paint something on, something on, a, on a Wednesday. Yeah. And send it out, and it'll be in California on on the on the Thursday. It's it's yeah. We we send stuff all across the world, which is a good it's a good feeling. Okay, so in your business, the next couple of months, I'm guessing is going to be kind of busy because you're going to be get, everybody's going to be kind of thinking about 2020 season. So, at what point does everybody start panicking about? I need my helmet painted. Well. <laughs> Everything is, is busy up to the um, donations. Yeah. Then after that, we have about four to five weeks where it's just, it calms down a little bit. And then from, from then, October, November, um, we start to look at the, <laughs> we start to look at the designs for next year. Yeah. So I'll be dealing with these guys here, the athletes, the managers, um, for the teams, mm -hmm. and we'll start to create the, the new designs for next year. It's quite hard because everything's quite last minute. Yeah. Um, so even even for next year, you know, there's still deals going on in November, December. Yeah. And a lot of the time we're you know we're we're last in line to um, do the do the crash helmet paint job or the design. So um, in an ideal world, we get everyone sorted before Christmas, but usually it's it's just after. No, that's cool. Um, I would like to. Uh, we've done the podcast, which is great. I think we need to check in again, uh, maybe January, and uh, try and get another podcast. And we can talk about sort of designs for for, for next year. But I think it would be great to come down and visit you guys, literally find out how this works. So maybe we can uh, make a regular thing of this. It'd be good. It, it, it'd be so good for you guys to come in in January when it is, it is you know, it's rammed. Um, there's lots going on January, February, March before the season kicks off. Mm -hmm. um, lots of different designs and um, paintwork. It's just... It would be a really good time for you guys to come down and, and see what it's all about. And if you can capture some of it on, on film, it would be good. And then these guys can, can see what we do. But Definitely. you're more than welcome. Excellent. Tom, pleasure chatting to you today. And uh, good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you very much. The, the MX Vice Show. Show. 24MX is Europe's biggest e-commerce store, carrying every product you need for your dirt bike. Their on-site part finder will help you quickly find what you need to upgrade your dirt bike. Don't miss out on the weekly deals with prices that are unprecedented in the industry. Shop today at 24mx.com.